This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. They have not known the Lord as King David did when he wrote, in Psalm 32.5, Psalm 32.5, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. They haven't known the Lord as the one to whom they confess their sin to, not some priest in a little box, but confess to the Lord, they haven't known the Lord as the forgiver of their sins. They haven't known the Lord as Psalm 86.15, Psalm 86.15, but thou, O Lord, art our God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and truth. They haven't known the Lord that way. They haven't known the Lord as merciful and gracious They haven't known the Lord as merciful to not give them what they deserve, which is hell, which is hell. The mercy of God does not give us what we deserve, which is hell. They haven't known the Lord to show grace, grace and mercy, the mercy to not get what we deserve, which is hell. The grace is to get what we don't deserve, which is heaven. They haven't known the Lord this way. And they haven't known the Lord like Abraham knew the Lord. Abraham knew the Lord. In James 2.23, James 2.23, the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. They haven't known the Lord as the friend of God. They might say he is, they might know him as the man upstairs. They might know him as the Almighty. The El Shaddai, they might know him as the creator. They might know him as the respected one who they only refer to as the name, Hashem. But they have not, they cannot honestly say, I know God is my friend. 
I know God is my friend. But that's how they did not know the Lord. The Lord was not known to them as their friend. And as verse 4 states, the spirit of whoredoms in the midst of them, they're consumed, they're trapped in the spirit of whoredom, sexual thoughts, they're trapped in sexual thoughts. They can't. A man cannot look at a woman without giving her the once-over. The Bible calls that, as we said in 2 Peter 2.14, eyes full of adultery. They haven't known the Lord as the one who delivers them from sexual thoughts. They haven't known the Lord as the Savior from sexual sins. They haven't known the Lord as the one who Paul talked about in Romans 7.24, Romans 7.24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. They haven't known the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who's delivered them from the power of sin over their lives. They haven't known the Lord is the one who's delivered them from the body of death. Like everyone, like everyone, we'll have guilt. Every person has guilt. What we did, what we said, what we thought, guilt, guilt, guilt. Everyone has a fear of what's going to happen to them after they die. Maybe there's judgment. I hope not. The most I can hope for is that the crematorium has got the flame as hot as it can be. There's nothing left. They haven't known the Lord as John the Baptist described him. As John the Baptist described him in John 1.29, John 1.29, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. They haven't known him as the Lamb of God. They haven't known the Lord Jesus as the Lamb of God, as their Lamb of God, as their personal Lamb of God. They haven't known the Lord Jesus as the every man Passover Lamb of God from Exodus 12.3, Exodus 12.3 speaking unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb. They haven't known the Lord as the Exodus 12, 3, every man a lamb. And because they haven't known the Lord as their personal lamb of God, they haven't known their sin taken away. They haven't known the Lord as Isaiah knew the Lord in Isaiah 38, 17. Isaiah 38, 17. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. They haven't known the Lord as the lover of their souls, the deliverer of them from hell, the pit of corruption, by casting all their sins behind his back. Like everyone, they sin like everyone. Sin had left its crimson stain. Sin had dirtied their souls. Sin had made them dirty and rotten. And they haven't known the Lord as Revelation 1.5. Revelation 1.5. Jesus Christ loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. In 1 John 1.7, 1 John 1.7, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. They hadn't known the Lord as the cleanser of their sin. They hadn't known the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as cleansing their souls. And they hadn't known the truth. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
Very interesting that King David, the great King David, greatest king on earth, the great King David is going to pass on now to his son, who's going to now be the great King Solomon. He's going to pass on now to his son. He's getting toward the end of his 70 years of life, King David. And he's going to pass on to King Solomon the most important advice he can pass on. Solomon is called to this meeting with his father. And he says, he must have thought, what will my father say to me? Will my father's most important advice be on the ministry of how I'm to build the temple of God that he's amassed everything for? Solomon must have thought, will my father's most important advice be on how to rule this great kingdom on earth, Israel? Solomon must have thought, will my father's most important advice be on how to choose the right people that I can trust to get this great work done? And so now it comes time for Solomon to receive from his father this most important advice in life. And Solomon doesn't hear any of those. He doesn't hear any of those things from his father. The most important advice that King David passes on to Solomon, King Solomon, is 1 Chronicles 28.9. 1 Chronicles 28.9, when he says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, understandeth all the imaginations of thought. If thou seek him, he'll be found of thee. If thou forsake him, he'll cast thee off forever. David's most important advice that he gave to Solomon in that 1 Chronicles 28.9, 1 Chronicles 28.9, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. That's the most important advice that we can receive in life. Know God. Know God as the forgiver of your sins. Know God as merciful deliverer from hell. Know God as the gracious giver of heaven. Know God as friend. Know God as the personal savior from the power of sin. Know God as the personal lamb taking sin away. Know God as the lover of the soul. Know God whose blood can cleanse from sin. And because all the preaching in the world and all the casting out of devils in the world and all the wonderful works that can be done in the world are no substitute for knowing God and they're no ticket into heaven as tragically given to us in the history, history of Matthew 7.22, Matthew 7.22, when many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not preached in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Because all those many who will come to the Lord with their resumes, very impressive resumes of all their preaching, all their casting out of devils, all their many wonderful works, will all come with all their religion without knowing God. 
They will all not find a welcome from God. And this is what we see in verse 6, Hosea 5, verse 6. Verse 6, they shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord. They shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. They come with their flocks. Why are they coming with their flocks and their herds? So they can do sacrifice, so they can do religious acts, religious sacraments of sacrifice with their religion. They come to seek God with their religion of sacrifices, but tragically, they don't find God. Why? Because God has withdrawn himself from them. Why has God said, count me out? Why? Why has God withdrawn himself from them? Because of four tragic words in a parable of foolish virgins. Foolish virgins who came to be led in, but Matthew 25.10, Matthew 25.10, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they, were, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. The tragic words, the four tragic words were, the door was shut. They were too late. They were not in time. And there is a time for people today to be saved from their sins. And that time is described, is told to us in 2 Corinthians 6.2, 2 Corinthians 6.2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. There is a day to be saved from the sins, from sins, and that day is today. And there is a time to be saved from sins, and that time is now. And just like there is a time to die, when Paul knew that his time was coming, and he said in 2 Timothy 4, 6, 2 Timothy 4, 6, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Time is earnest, passing by. Death is earnest, drawing nigh. Life is earnest, when tis o'er, thou returnest nevermore. And God so much doesn't want that to happen to anyone. He so much does not want that to be, to, for anybody to be not in time. And you know how terrible you feel when you're rushing to get to some store and you're looking at the clock, and you get there, but, but when you get to that store, you grab that door, and you try to open it's locked. You were too late. You weren't in time. And God so much doesn't want those four tragic words to be said of anyone. The door was shut. The door was shut. God so much doesn't want that to happen that he says in Isaiah 5.12, Isaiah 5.12, Therefore will I be unto Hosea. Hosea 5.12, Hosea 5.12, Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a moth, and to the house of Judah as rottenness. God becomes the moth that gnaws slowly away. We are all in our individual courses. I, think, I keep thinking this because of my health situations. We're all on our individual courses of our never-ending continuum of seeing our health degrade. And slowly our health is being eaten away, like a moth eats away at its fabric. And you know the feeling when you go to your cupboard and you take out maybe your favorite sweater that you've been saving it, and you hold it up to see the moth has eaten through it. 
and you realize the sweater will never be like new again because the moth, and God says in verse 12, that I will be as the moth. And you know that feeling when you're looking towards forward to eating something, something you've put away in the refrigerator, you're looking forward to eating, oh, it'll be good, and you go and you get it out and you find out it's spoiled. It's rotten. It can't be eaten. It's ruined because of rottenness. And God says in verse 12, he will be as rottenness. And then there's the lion, the king of the, the forest, the lion there, the king of animals. The lion comes, all other animals scatter. The lion tears at its prey. And then he eats his prey. He takes his prey to his den where it's going to be eaten. He takes that prey away, and there's no animal that's going to take that away from the lion. And God says about the lion in verse 14, Hosea 5.14, verse 14, I will be unto Ephraim as a lion, and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away, and none shall rescue him. Why? Why would God be like the moth that ruins why would be like the, God be like the rottenness that destroys? Why would God be like the lion that tears? Because God wants to bring affliction. He wants to, because he's got a purpose. He has a purpose in the affliction. It says, and his purpose is, 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 Timothy 2.4, 1 Timothy 2.4, God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And because God doesn't want anyone to find the door shut, because God doesn't want anyone to not come in time to be saved for their sins, God has a purpose, and the purpose of affliction. It's to draw us nearer, draw us nearer to God, Hosea 5.15, Hosea 5.15, verse 15, Hosea 5.15. In their affliction, they will seek me early. It's to drive us to say the words that we're going to come to in the next chapter, verse 1 of chapter 6, Hosea 6.1. Hosea 6.1 is to drive us through affliction, through the affliction of Hosea 5.15, to come to say the words of Hosea 6.1. Come. Let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn. He will heal us. He hath smitten. He will bind us up. It's to cause God to be able to say the words of Isaiah 54, 7. Isaiah 54, 7. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should be no more over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart, the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. That's why God becomes a moth. That's why God becomes rottenness. That's why God becomes like the lion that tears, to bring us to the place to frame the doings or to do what he said in verse 13. Verse 13, Hosea 5.13, Hosea 5.13. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, when men's lives on earth change, 
Because man lives his life on the surface. Man lives life on the surface, consumed with, what do I got to get done today? What work do I got to go to? What, what paycheck do I got to receive? What superficial pleasure can I enjoy today? What's on the TV? The last place that man wants to go is deep into himself, is to descend deep into the depths of his own soul and face his real self and see himself as God sees him in Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah 64, 6. We are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Man knows the symptoms of personal sin, the symptoms like unrest, in Isaiah 57.20, Isaiah 57.20, the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace, saith my God to the wicked. But man's afraid, afraid to lift the curtain, afraid to look underneath and to see the sickness, to see the, the, the wound as described in verse 13, the sickness, the incurable wound, the wound that can't be healed but if he does, then he comes to the conclusion of that woman who bled for 12 years, bleeding her lifeblood out of herself, and she comes to the conclusion, no one can help me. No physician can help me. Money has been spent, gone. I'm not better, I'm worse. And she comes to this place in Luke 8.43. Luke 8.43 a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed by any. And because of that affliction, because was God was to her like a moth, like rottenness, like a lion, she comes and breaks through. She breaks through the barrier of her resistance to God. She breaks through the barrier of her past rebellion against God. She breaks through the barrier of what other people will think of her. And she breaks through that in a crowd, doesn't care, and puts forth her hand of faith, the hand of faith that says, if I just get close to Jesus, so close that I can touch just the hem of his garment, their healing will come to me. And that's what happened to her. Why? Because of verse 13, because of verse 13, she was like Ephraim. She saw her sickness. She was like Judah. She saw her wound. And it's only when a person will follow that, it's only when a person will follow that and come to verse 15, verse 15, acknowledge their offense, that they'll seek my face, and in their affliction, they'll seek me early. And then and only then will they become not the Pharisee, that prayed in pride before God, but like the publican, the publican of Luke 18.13, Luke 18.13, the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted themselves shall be abased and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. There is mercy with you that you can be feared. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.